0: Welcome to Making Waves, a, a program about sound art, produced by NASA or New Adventures in Sound Art. Last week was the Reve Don Chorus broadcast, as many of you may have heard on WGXC. For this month's edition of Making Waves, we have an interview with two of the founding members of the Revae team, Maria Papadalaki and Grant Smith. They're a transmission and sound artists based in the UK, where they have been hosting for the past five years sound camp gatherings during Revee at Stave Hill Ecological Park in London. Sound camps happen during the dawn chorus weekend, which is usually the first weekend of May, and they give voice on the internet to daybreak soundscapes happening all over the world. In this program, we will intermix my interview with Grant and Maria with Don Chorus Recordings from NASA, which you're hearing right now at Warburg's Roost in South River, Ontario. Grégoire Lavigne from Saint Bon France. The Cyber Forest Project at the University of Tokyo. And finally, Soundscape from Valparaiso, Chile, recorded by Fernando Godet. and Maria maybe you can introduce yourselves and uh, the kind of work you do in general and um and how you came about being interested in soundscape recording and streaming
1: Well I have a background in literature to begin with which is probably in theory quite remote from the activity of field recording but uh, I did take a turn at some point in my life uh, where I was I became more interested in the sound of language and speech, uh, the music behind it which uh, gradually led me uh, to an interest in sound in general. During my three years in the UK after moving to the UK from from Greece I started recording uh, all the environments that I encountered and the everyday sounds and that's how it all started really for me. Um, I started to use uh, all these recordings in my music making. Later on, um, I'm, I was also interested in um, live audio streaming. So uh, around 2006, 2007, I started doing my first experiments with a very different different type of technology back then, um, a 3G a, a USB stick, Wi-Fi stick, and a old computer and a pair of binaural microphones, I started doing live uh, field recording, live sound walks, which I was streamed in different contexts. And this is really what brought me in contact with Grant many years later. Um, at the moment, I'm a practitioner who is interested in um, examining and experimenting in the ways that we perceive through sound how we can make our surroundings and our everyday habits through sound, how we articulate ourselves through sound, and how uh, our environments are affected by our own presence and, uh, let's say, perceptual habits. I'm also interested in uh, helping other people uh, becoming aware of their inherent, let's say, capacities through sound that you don't really necessarily need to be super trained to listen properly, but that we all have you know, a basic sensibility towards sound. And this is what really interests me at the moment, um, either that in the form of public events and workshops or performances or even music at some point in other uh, instances. Um, this is my one of my main interests at the moment. Um, and I do try to um, develop that and explore that in different forms and formats of presentation and articulation
0: hmm, very nice uh maybe over to you grant
2: yeah thank you that's as i've actually um that's a very um that's kind of like eloquent description i've never actually heard that point M- maria and i met around um specifically around the live streaming stuff and set it up and set up um sound camp together around the Reve broadcast um And uh, as it happens, uh, I also came to sound uh, from a kind of text based practice uh, as a writer and I still write and um, I have a kind of long term documentary uh, kind of uh, time based recording practice at selfnoise.net. And I guess I guess my interests in sound come from initially technically from working with uh, text-to-speech software and a little similar to what Maria was saying working with I was being very interested in the way voices uh, kind of works go through texts and the way we the way we read and the and the, the, the little sounds that are hard to capture in in, in texts and, and the gaps between language and so-called silences that are not silences and um, I was working with a London-based experimental theatre company called Poor at the time I had young children and doing a lot of Kind of camping outside with disrupted sleep and stuff, and my listening and recording uh, practice came out of that. And in a way, it's still quite similar. I'm very interested in domestic sounds, everyday sounds, um, and and time-based kind of time-based practices. And and as 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 you know, the the Reveille broadcast is particularly time, particularly time-ridden. I think we can say.
0: Uh, and perhaps maybe. Uh... Before we elabor- get more into more detail of your own approaches to the, the soundscape uh, from your backgrounds in the in literature and related areas, tell us a bit about the Reve broadcasts. What is that, and and uh, what takes place?
2: We're just coming up to the fifth edition of the Revee broadcast, and it's a, it's a twenty four hour uh, round the earth radio show that relays live feeds that are sent in by um streamers uh, as, as the sunrise reaches them at their uh, locations around the, around the planet. So uh, Maria and I set up a, a pop-up radio station at Stave Hill Ecological Park in London, which is right near the Greenwich Meridian at zero Universal Time Coordinated. And uh, starting at 5 a.m on, on a Saturday morning, we, we we follow we follow the sunrise or the daybreak or west, uh, as the Earth turns towards the sun, and uh, and and pick up a series of of real time audio feeds, and basically just put them end to end to form a a twenty four hour loop. Uh, and that coincides with International Dawn Chorus Day, which is uh, a project that preceded ours and is just a kind of a, a, a opportunity to mark uh, the dawn chorus as a terrestrial phenomenon. I
1: think. Yeah, and it would be interesting also to add that um, this is. Well, there is a, a crowdsourcing of, of resources and live streams, uh, including uh, sp- you know, special commissions. Every year we contact people and uh, we invite them to, um, uh, well, commission them in some form to uh, set up a stream. But also we have an open call, so everybody who might want to share their uh, live daybreak sound from their location, they can do so. And then also a variety of other sources, uh, maybe Less legitimate or acoustically, acoustically high-fi sources, video cams, uh, you know CCTV cameras, uh, air intercepts, uh, hydrophones, uh, which are uh, all maintained and operated by uh, marine bioacoustic uh, centers, and all sorts of resources that um, you wouldn't necessarily use if you wanted a pristine birdscape or dawn chorus.
0: So as, as the time unfolds, one is hearing the daybreak for, with different technologies, but also in different environments, but not, not just uh, open-air field recordings.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly.
0: Okay. And then I guess some of these also happen in urban places too, I imagine, right?
1: Absolutely, yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, we are interested in that mix uh, of uh, the lo-fi and the hi-fi, the rural and the urban, the very urban, uh, the very noisy the very beautiful the very chaotic th- we have every year streaming from kolkata which is uh, absolutely fantastic and it's the way that it develops over time is you know it's you know i don't know <laughs> fantastic so we, we are we are keen on of on, on bringing this um, le- lesser heard uh, voices uh, you know to the foreground for just this one time every year
0: how many in total are there uh, that you have over the 24 hours
2: well i can i can tell you cuz i've just we've just been uh, trying to finalize the the playlist which is uh, logistically always quite tricky to do and i guess with i guess we're dealing with now some, something between 100 and 200 streams uh, but i would say that's kind of a long list and then, as as we actually go through the broadcast, we we listen out a little bit ahead of what's coming up, and we we try to make um, cho- we, well, we try to find streams that are stable and that are uh, maybe uh, interesting to listen to, and so forth. So if eventually, we make a choice that generally comes down to something in the zone of sort of sixty streams. uh yeah. We normally, yeah, I would say pretty much each each year. Some of which are are recurring and have become almost. Uh, motifs in the in the, in the broadcast, and then every year there are new and surprising sounds from new places and and so forth that we no no one's no one's heard before.
0: And, and are these places identified over, over the air?
1: Yes, we try to announce uh, some of the details um, of the location uh, and the people who are running the streams as much as we can. Yeah,
2: I mean it's it's an interesting one because. Uh, because as, as, as people are aware, sort of almost all, sort of like 99.9% of, of radio is, is either human speech or organized sound, so, so human speech or music. And one of the things that we imagined with Revee from the outset was to, to open a space for a different, for something else. So actually, uh, we, as, as announcers, we, we actually keep a pretty low profile so we actually we, we tend to I think that's fair to say that we, we we play quite long periods of sound and then we we do very short announcers to acknowledge the people who have set up the streams and to reference the, the the detailed context that each one comes out of because we, we we like very much the the specificities and the the contingencies of each stream so it's not just like a stream of you know a savanna or a stream of a forest inevitably it's a stream of a very specific place that some artist or some researcher has has chosen and sort of chosen to bring to to everybody's attention so we we say that but i think we say it quite briefly and then we go quiet again we use our our words
1: wisely (laughs) (laughs) or something along these lines
2: Listening to a stream from Saint baume Bois by Gregoire Lauvin on the Logos Sonos Network. This is a solar powered stream from the mountains
3: above Aix en Provence.
0: And so, so what we're talking about is reveille. Then, but you also hold a camp in in uh, where you're located. So people come to that camp and they camp out. And what are they doing?
1: Well, every year we curate a series of activities. The whole idea is that we open up the space uh, for people to listen to and um, perhaps to revisit what I said earlier to to be uh, surprised and amazed by how good listeners they are or to learn new things and and you know to spend their time uh, exploring the sides learning about the side but also learning about their s- themselves through sound um, so we have talks and workshops uh, we have a bat walk we have a dawn chorus walk uh, we have performances site specific installations it's a very varied program uh, and people can sign up and and do whatever they like.
0: Well, these are all unfolding over a weekend or within the twenty-four hours, or
1: yes, over the weekend.
2: Yeah, because um, International Dawn Chorus Day is a is a day, but because it's uh because it's a like a imagined as a global event. Although it was imagined, I should say, as a as a global event from a small kind of bog. North of Birmingham in the UK, in 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 the sort of the end of the last century. So it's a funny. It's it, it's always been a funny little project, uh, uh, which started with a group of friends going out at daybreak to listen to the sounds of this of this bog, and then saying, "Hey, this could be, you know, this could be a global thing," <laughs> and um, and anyone anyone who's had that experience of going out uh, very early and. Classically, when it's very, very quiet and then hearing those first sounds and then hearing the crescendo of, of sounds at daybreak and then having them kind of just uh, disperse into the blur of, of the day, uh, thinks to themselves, well, actually, this is going on constantly all the time, it's just somewhere to the west of me now. So it's an obvious thought that many people have thought about for a quite long period, actually, uh, of the idea that you could have a continuous, a continuous loop. And uh, so, so I suppose our project kind of responds to that fantasy, if you like. Um,
1: yeah, but the the camp, the sound camp is, um, you know, it's a very, it's a, for us at least. Uh, we thought that it was a necessary framework within which Reve functions. Um, a very, it's a, it's a mechanism, and there are many cases where we have uh, partner sound camps who follow the same model. So they, they. You know, they send us a stream. They also listen to reveille, and they have lots of activities planned around the broadcast. So it is about that particular uh, instance of of uh, and phenomenon of the dawn chorus, but it's also a, a wider context which is actually taking over. Uh, you know, it's, it's, the duration mm-hmm. is longer than one day. It's for the whole weekend, yeah. really.
2: And it. Um I guess also some of the, some of the sound camps are actually very small. so we, we, we tend to invite people to do things that are self-organized and and in many ways autonomous. So some of them might just be a couple of people going making a little foray out somewhere and being out there, but but sending the critically sending their um, sending their live stream in. So it's about, it, it goes beyond just listening and it's about it's about sharing that sound with a wider with a wider group and then as as maria says also about about listening in so that the things that you're doing the mundane things that you're doing as a you know brushing your teeth and 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 stuff that you do in your camping are going on within this with within this wider this wider framework
0: i think with all the self-documentation that happens now with the phones and things like that and uh, instantly uploading photos and uh, other thing videos to uh Uh, social media uh, platforms Uh, is this is this a a result of those or is it a is it a a kind of antithetical response in some way or is it a a, you know a natural outgrowth what's the relationship to to um, the kind of uh, self-obsessions that are kind of taking place over social media these days
1: I'm not sure. I have the impression that people do post occasionally, and we have a hashtag every year, so it's Reveg2018 for this year, just to sync up different people who are experiencing different things um, in their own localities. But I have the impression that people enjoy not being hooked up on a mobile phone when they are participating in a sound camp. They are actually enjoying being uh, you know, out in the nature and... Um, and sharing experiences with other people i do have this impression uh, maybe i'm wrong but this is what i get when uh you know when i'm not mixing (laughs) and i'm you know uh, out there in the camp uh, talking to other people people are very keen to you know to uh, counter this uh let's say habit that we have to live through our Mm. mobile phones
2: i agree i think i think some people sometimes really enjoy not taking their phone out of their pocket and just and um and and being uh, more aware of of the place that they are so what, one of the one of the simple very simple things that we've always done uh, related to our name is that is that we we play the broadcast out at fairly low volume in a, a ca- in canvas tents um on site and uh we we've, we've used tents because they are sonically porous so what we find as listeners is that is that when we listen to the remote sounds we also become much more um, alert to the sounds around us and this is a really i don't know it seems to be an important insight and it's an example of the kind of insight that that comes from from working outside conventional gallery spaces and 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 so forth so we we work at this at this uh, ecology park in the centre of London, which uh, itself has an interesting history as a response to the collapse of the Dockland economy in the centre of London and in the 1970s. And, and is a sort of co-produced little hotspot of biodiversity right in the centre of the city. So a sort of scruffy place and at the same time, a very aspirational and, and uh, quite significant place in the history of urban ecology. And so it wouldn't make sense for us to come in and deliver some sort of, a kind of immersive, mediatized experience. What what we what we prefer to do is 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 to do something that is in some ways, like um, John Kim would say, a uh, weather report is 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 slightly transparent. So that so the sounds uh, you can also hear through the sounds to the to the sounds around you.
0: When everything's done and you pack up, uh, and uh, people are uh, tuned out of the stream, what uh, after the twenty four hours, what. What do um, what they come away with from this kind of collection of all these streams? What is what do you feel is the uh, uh, what's the feeling that you get inside after all that?
3: I
1: think it's a very for me it's 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 a very interesting experience because of its 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 uh, its duration. Uh, there is a very let's say um, here and now. Type of experience, but when it all it, when it is all over, um, we are. I personally are very tired, and I, I'm an em- empty vessel, really, almost. So there are no particular feelings, other than you know uh, the. How can I say that? Well, being happy of having completed the loop once once more. Obviously, the next day I will remind myself or. Uh, there are particular sounds uh, during the loop that uh, you know caught caught up in my memory. So maybe I will start thinking about these sounds. But I think for me, it's raveg. Uh, d- uh, it's a very here and now type of experience, um, very time based, and also very well. This is a kind of a paradox, but uh, yes, it is about uh, focusing on what's happening at the moment rather than you know. Um, there's not simply no energy after that to be very sentimental and emotional. About yeah, I, I mean, i I, sh-
2: I share the, those feelings because um also being involved in doing the broadcast as a, as a long as a long thing. and it is this sort of endurance part to that, and we uh, I think it's probably maybe slightly comic from the outside to just hear our voices becoming increasingly. I'm kind of exhausted. Um, but I, I think it I think it has impacts on people in in different ways. I, I, I sometimes I think it's useful to contrast it with a, a very interesting and, and a pro- a proposal from the 1970s by Bruce Davis, who's one of the sort of found kind of early figures of acoustic ecology. And he, he there was a proposal for something called Wilderness Radio that was that would um, would, would be a live transmission of sounds from rural places into cities. And, uh, and, and in a, if, if, our, if this project is a kind of, in some ways, a sort of accidental digital realization of some elements of that, it's interesting to think how, also how sort of different it is. So a lot of people who come to the sound camp are struck by the fact that it is a, a participatory, a genuinely participatory um, project in which people uh, can stream from their, from their smartphones or with a very cheap a Raspberry Pi uh, transmitters that we uh, share the recipes for uh with uh, w- we're quite keen on using uh D- diy audio equipment and soldering up your own microphones with the famous you know primo em172 capsules and stuff so i think people are quite interested in that blurring and maybe even collapsing of the boundaries between sort of official artists technicians and 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 audience uh which is, which is nice. And another thing that uh, strikes me, uh, is, is the way, is the way there's a kind of swapping of sounds from, from point to point in a kind of mesh like way, rather than, uh, sort of just, I don't know, sharing very attractive sounds of, 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 kind of wilderness or something with, with, uh, with urban areas. So there's a sort of opening to exchanges, uh, in ways yeah. that I think.
1: Ex- ex- exactly. It's about the dialogue between, uh, these very varied, Legitimate, mm. legitimate, mm. and non-legitimate uh, sources, but um, you know, Bruce Davis also talks about the cleansing and you know, bring the hi-fi sounds in in the lo-fi environments. As I said, also in the beginning, we are kind of moving away from this idea in the sense that we actually want you to listen to all the sounds that are surrounding us and and see you know what's happening between them. You know, when when these things coexist one after the other, what uh, how can you listen? What what can you Take away from from that experience, and it and each experience is very very different. Well, if there was um, um, the second and the third iteration of of uh, We have invited, well, we attempted to curate a series of uh, remote listening and remote writing uh, contributions, so people would listen and uh, respond in written um, to the to the experience so we had angus carlyle and we had a few other people um contributing you could see that uh, the way that people perceived this mesh this meshwork of of quite different sounds um you could see that ho- how that actually then was uh, transcribed if you may uh, use this word uh, if i may use this word to how people um feel and perceived the the, the experience and uh, it's very unique to each person and it, it does open up uh, possibilities of listenership uh, and also of sharing and of uh, dialogue, and you know, um, between people. Um, uh, there are people who are sharing their experiences through Twitter, for instance. You know, you mentioned earlier the self-absorption of uh, social media, and I said that we are using hashtags. Well, actually, it's a very interesting community that's gradually built up over time with people sharing the same hashtag and and sharing how they listen. To the sounds, or asking each other, what's what's this sound, and it kind of stimulates, or, s- or s- sorry, simulates a similar experience that we have in situ, where when we mix things, then people come and ask su- asks us what is this, and you know, uh, I, mean, I mean, are we having a very genuine and interesting uh, discussion about the sounds that we listen to? So um, yeah, it's it's it, it varies, and and we 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 kind of move away from that uh, pristine hi-fi listenership we want we want these kind of like let's say um, mixed sources to to emerge and 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 prompt reactions and and uh, and thoughtful uh, responses
3: perhaps
2: the project and the infrastructure that we rely on with this this project has emerged in close partnership with Lucas Sernus at the um, the art schools of Aix-en-Provence and Bourges and now at CNRS Ex Marseille. And and they very much pioneered the open microphone network. And I th- I think what what maybe these activities have added is a couple of things. One is one is that uh, that social texture that Maria's talking about of of just the interest of finding that there are other people involved in doing similar things in another in another place and that there is kind of common ground. So Saito at uh, Cyber Forest. Um, at the University of Tokyo, which was a project that we discovered through research that our colleague Dawn Scarf was doing as we were trying to put together uh, the broadcast. Kaoru talks about uh, what he calls a sense of globe, uh, which I think he imagines as a uh, just, just kind of experiencing some kinds of connectedness that are not, again, that are not sort of heavily mediatized and so forth, They're actually quite fragile and modest connections, um, but they are significant connections, listening into other people's the sounds of other people's locations other people's projects that they are sharing and listening to in one listening into your own sounds um, your own sounds locally
1: which made me also uh, worth mentioning the whole concept of the acoustic commons which is exactly that of, of uh, you know, sharing the sounds and uh, but also links to the idea of open source uh, you know recipes to build your own Uh, devices to stream and transmitters.
0: One last thing would be to turn to back to your origins both of you in you mentioned that you had a literary basis for for jumping into the soundscape um, now that you've done these this project for uh, five years now um, how is it feeding back into your work with words
2: um, I, I list I, I write a lot about listening um, uh, so that I'm, I'm just haven't stopped being interested in, in the face that, sa- the faces that sound and language present to each other. Um, I'm more and more not stopped being interested in the way uh, listening and thinking is situated. So so that when we write, when we think, we're in a place. We're in a, in my case, uh, in a household, in a particular place, and so forth, and that that broader sort of sense of of listening and, and, and documented kind of annotation and so forth and this constant switch back and forth between the different media has just become part of my habitual ways of habitual ways of working. And the final thing I would say is that it's been a real privilege to have Kind of conversations with people that we wouldn't otherwise have had. So when uh, one one of the things that um, I do is I, I write quite a lot about listening to the to the live stream, which is my in my own backyard here at Loughborough Junction, in the right in the sort of centre of the scruffy centre of South London, and uh, and I've had a, a really amazing conversation with Sukanta Majumdar, the Traveling Archive, who does something very similar in Kolkata, and and we've talked about the way listening like that causes you to listen to your own home and your own place as a stranger and then uh i think documenting that sense of, of 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 being a stranger within this kind of expanded home or this expanded locale has been a kind of significant thing uh certainly for me as in terms of my own my, my own work
1: for me in, in a very very similar manner um you know this is kind of back and forth um, cross-fertilization between sound and text. Uh, uh, well, I do also write about listening and sound, uh, but also I do still use text and writing in my performances, in my interactions with the environment. Um, um, I, I find it a very useful means for prompting and opening up interactions uh, of sharing. Uh, other layers temporal and textural layers uh, especially when using it in combination with a live stream so when i'm doing a live sound walk um, and i'm also uh, writing a text score that complements the or works together with the 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 sound walk, that is uh for me a way of testing boundaries and of um uh you know prompting different ways of listening Uh, you know the temporal aspect of of sound and uh, of perception of memory so it's it's uh, I think it opened new ways of uh, thinking about sound and of uh, writing about sound and of uh, of writing with sound if that makes sense Um, it's very interesting.
0: I guess there's something about a connection between the auditory experience and the act of writing that there's there's some often a I don't know an unconscious interaction. Uh, some writers like to write to music and things like that. I guess there's there's a different connection than there would be with the visual phenomena. I guess.
1: Well, I think there is a paradox going on when when you try to write about what you are listening because you are trying to catch something which is already gone. Right. <laughs> something that has already vanished. Uh, I think that's an interesting. I don't. I try to move away from this uh, tension. I try to. Uh, it as a granted that whatever i've written about what i've heard uh, it's already um, a relic and i use that tension um creatively when i am staging let's say uh, something performative or uh, or a workshop or you know um, i think it's it's an interesting it's an interesting ten- tension uh, yes of course it's a t- and also t- a very different approach you know you're not writing something which is complemented or accompanied by by some ambient music, you are writing about your own experience, you know, what what is happening to you, your transformation as a listener through writing, which it's a totally different type of game. Uh, Fernando Cotoy at Tsunami in Valparaíso, Chile. He's contributing a stream within a near from his window.
0: You're listening to Making Waves on WGXC, a monthly program on sound art produced by New Adventures in Sound Art based in South River, Ontario, Canada. In this program, we've featured the voices of Maria Papadalaki and Grant Smith in conversation with Darren Copeland. Grant and Maria are with the Sound SoundCamp project, which you can uh, learn more about at soundtent.org. And uh, mark it on your calendar for next year. uh, The beginning of May is Dawn Chorus Weekend, and uh, you too can contribute your soundscape following their very simple guidelines. You've been listening to archived daybreak soundscapes recorded from past Revee streams, uh, mostly from about four years ago or three years ago, uh, by Fernando Godet in Valparaiso, Chile, Gregor Levin in saint bon France, and the Travelling Archive in Kolkata, India. And in addition to that, I grabbed uh, sound from last weekend from the Chichibu Forest recorded by and streamed live streamed I should say and recorded by the University of Tokyo's Cyber Forest Project which is an ongoing stream from that and other locations in Japan. To conclude the program I wanted to leave you with a soundscape that was uh, recorded uh, the following day um, or at the end of the kind of Dawn Chorus weekend. Uh, it was made about an hour after daybreak on Sunday May 6th uh at uh, the warbler's roost Um, this recording is uh, best experienced on headphones so if you can grab them uh, do so Uh, soundscape was recorded with uh, a group of uh, workshop participants who that weekend uh, learned about soundscape recording about 10 of them were spread out around the uh, warbler's roost property which is about 11 acre rural lot Together, they made a synchronized recording from each of their locations, capturing the soundscape as it unfolded. And then these 10 recordings were mixed together using ambisonic decoding to give you a a kind of 360-degree spatial impression of Warver's Roost at 6 AM, approximately, in South River, Ontario, Canada. Thank you for listening, and we will join you next month on Making Waves.